Welcome to No Room for Phonies. Hello. Charles is back because he wanted to be part of this podcast, which is the top 10 contributions of women to society. And I have nothing to contribute. Yeah, you're going to go, yes, <laughs> yes. That's Absolutely. right. Um, and this is the second to last top 10. Next, the end of May is the last top 10. And then I'm going to do a series on education. Awesome. Eight I weeks. Mean, I've, I've, I have enjoyed the top 10 very much. Eight weeks on education. What parents should expect from teachers, how to make your kids successful at school, like all that sort of stuff. Good. So eight weeks on education. That's good through the summer. Yeah. Okay. So the cocktail of the month is... Um, Wine. No. No, we what, drank wine tonight, but it's the salty dog, and we haven't even tried it yet, oh. so we have to try it, like, next week. Yeah. Before we'll be May, back. Before May is over. We'll be back to, uh, to talk about the salty dog, but anyway, you can look it up online. It's I'll, I'll actually post it um, this week. Um, I'll put it on the website if you okay. want to look at it. Um the book recommendation that I'm doing this week is The Long Way A Long Way Home by Saru Beerley and that the movie is Lion. Oh, that was a very good movie. So I, I should have read the book first, but But anyway, it's the story of a little boy in India and anyway, I don't no spoilers no. because it's so good. You should read the book and you should watch the movie. And actually, the book and the movie match. Like, really often they don't, but they're very close. That's cool. And it's a true story. So. And, and Nicole Pidkit. Nicole Kidman. And Patel. I don't remember his first name. Yeah. Dev Patel? Yeah. I yeah, think I think so. so. Anyway, and the podcast recommendation is the next question with Katie Couric. So she just it asks, you know, it is what it is says in the title who asks the question the person she, coming on no or she, she does, does. Oh, i have to listen to this it's very good and i like katie kirk i think mm -hmm. she's a good um good reporter journalist. and journalist so i like her and then the website update you can check out free patterns there is a paper piecing pattern that we just put up for a cardinal mm -hmm. and there's a lot of other different patterns as well, I've put a lot of things in the inspiration section because you and I are taking a course together. So I have added a bunch of ideas in the inspiration session section from, from the course. Oh, good. And the other things I've read as well. So mm -hmm. um, anyway, take a moment to check out the website. So the top 10 contributions of women to society. And so... The 10th, I'm going to use the, as number 10, I'm doing women as caretakers because women spend more time on caregiving um, than men. Still even, yeah. I think. I mean, and we shared more because you stayed home for several years with the kids as well as I did, so... That was a bit different. And are you, are you limiting it to caretaking of your own family or caretaking of others? Too? No, this is, well, this is more I would still say talking about... That um, women still I'm, I'm more extend talk the caregiving out to others too. They often organize or distribute the tasks involved in caregiving. Yep. 
and they take more responsibility for what happens in the day-to-day running of the home. Yes, well, you did make the menu plan, even though I did the grocery and shopping and the cooking, but you did the planning. And role strain <clears throat> and role conflict are far more common for women than for men. What are role, role strain? strain like, I'm a mother, I'm a teacher, I'm a mother, I'm a doctor, right. I'm a mother. Okay, the... And then the conflict between being a mother, being a full-time person on the job. I mean, we would like to think that that has changed, but I don't... No. I don't think it It has. It was very interesting when I was a stay-at-home dad, though. uh, Another sign that things hadn't changed is if people asked me what I did, and I said, oh, I'm a full-time stay-at-home dad, conversation would end if it was men. They did not know how to have a conversation about that or relate to it. Yeah. So and I, think, I mean, I think that's a sign right there. Yeah. And women tend to feel the burden of what happens with home and children and family mm-hmm. more than, I think, more than men. But also, I believe there are emotional and hormonal imbalances that impact women, women in, as caretakers. Because especially with babies and men just don't have but those we don't, hormones. Well, we don't have the oxytocin. Like when you're a nursing or, mother and yeah. your baby is crying... There's a hormone that releases. Yep. It, it just is. Yep. So. No, and that doesn't happen to men. Men have the pressure. I mean, this is societal, not how we ran our home, but the pressure to be the provider. Right. And no, then, I'm not saying and, men and don't then, have their pressures. You know, they might not talk about it or share it, but they're consumed inside with that fear that they're right. not. And it's part of their self-esteem and their whatever. But we're yeah. not talking about men. I know. <laughs> but I'm women here. I'm here, care- so I'm Women as off. caretakers. So that yes, is definitely... I have not denied that what you said. No, I, 100%. So number nine it, is women as educators. So um, I researched some pe- some women who had had like a, a, a top kind of impact on education in society. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I have to say from my experience as an elementary principal, many, there, there were way less men than women. And even it seemed okay for women to be elementary principals, but then when it got up to secondary, then it wasn't quite the same. Mm-hmm. And men teaching primary was... Is, Not as many. No, way less. But, you know, so women are educators, but... Well, in my field of language education, the, my department is unusual in that we are 30% men. Usually it's 5%. Yeah. So, um, Michelle Bachelet is the president of Chile, and she did um, a lot of education reform in her country and she focused a lot on girls education because it sets them on a path to greater economic opportunities mm-hmm. so that's the you know that's the problem if women don't get educated and whatever then it it you know it the, the progress in the country is held back yeah mm-hmm and then there's Malala Yousafzai, right? And her activist and going to school and what happened to her. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, um, you know, she is committed to girls' education. And Julia 
Gillard, who is the former Prime Minister of Australia and Chair of the Board of the Global Partnership for Education. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, the it was funny to me that a lot of these women I had never heard of, mm -hmm. but yet men who do things, we often know their in names. In education or in everything. Yeah. And everything. One of the one though was Annie Sullivan, Helen Keller's teacher, right? right. She's is more famous. Mm -hmm. Maria Montessori, absolutely right, and Michelle Obama, mm -hmm. right, and um, Mary McLeod Bethune's pa parents were both former slaves, and so she didn't have much access to education, but as a child. But despite this, she went on to become a teacher herself founding her own school. Uh, she started with six students and then she went on to become a champion of African-American women's education, founding the Bethune-Cookman College, now university, to help women of color receive access to quality education. Her name I have heard, heard before, her name before, but I didn't know what she had done. I just knew. Yeah. So. Oh. I'll just turn that off. Yeah, there's a little phone. But anyway, so women as caregivers, definitely women as educators. This to me was extremely interesting. Some of these names, like I had heard, but women as innovators. So we all know Marie Curie and the theory of radioactivity. I mean, mm -hmm. she's um, fairly... I mean, she received a Nobel Prize, yes. right? So she was acknowledged for what yes. she did. Grace Hopper. Um, all programs for computers were written in numerical code, and she not only designed Harvard's Mark One computer in 1944, but she also invented something called the compiler, and the device translated written language into computer coding. Which is pretty amazing. Yeah, but have you ever heard her name? No. Nope. No. And COBOL, I've heard of COBOL, but I wouldn't have known that it yeah. was the one who invented it, who co-invented it. She also coined the term bug and debug, and she was a rear admiral in the Navy. So wow. not um, nothing shy there. Rosalind mm -hmm. Franklin uh, was the discovered the DNA double helix, and it's often attributed to James Watson and Francis Click, who won the Nobel Prize in 1962 for discovering it. However, they weren't actually the ones who made the discovery. Wow. So they actually stole credit for mm -hmm. that. Yep. Stephanie Kowalik is the person who invented Kevlar. Cool. And it makes sense. She was attempting to turn a solid polymer into a liquid. And although this failed, when she looked closer, she realized the fibers in the substance were five times stronger than steel. So, I mean, it's Kevlar. My Some of my teachers had to wear Kevlar. When they worked with, with students with, with special student, needs yeah. and things, yeah. Josephine Cochran invented the dishwasher. So That's there you cool. go. Probably you would, out never of heard necessity. Maria Beasley um, invented the life raft. Wow. Yeah. Emergency rafts were simple planks with no guardrails. Maria invented a more sophisticated device that was fireproof, easily folded and unfolded for storage, and had guardrails on the sides to keep people safe inside. 
Um, Dr. Shirley Jackson is credited with modern day telecommunication. Uh, she was the first black woman to graduate with a PhD from MIT in 1973. And wow. she so began to work at Bell. Her research led to fiber optics, mm -hmm. portable fax, fax machines, solar cells, touch caller idea, call waiting. Wow. Catherine Burr Blodgett, non-reflective glass. During World War II, Catherine was a crucial mind in the research behind several inventions, including gas masks, smoke screens, and a technique for de-icing airplane wings. Amazing. Hedy Lamar, actress, right? Frequency hopping technology. You may know her as a glamorous black and white film star, but did you know she also worked to improve tornado torpedo technology in world war ii <laughs> she was a gifted mathematician and engineer and so, yet she did acting as well yeah wow she developed she developed um the type of technology she developed ended up being the foundation for wi-fi and gps so that's, that's pretty amazing amazing um, and nobody ever gives People, I mean, obviously you researched it so that somebody has found them out yeah. and given them credit, but they're not celebrated. No, 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 no. I dug for this stuff. Okay. Uh, Mary Anderson invented the windshield wiper. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. Uh, Jean uh, Villapro Power was from 1794 to 1871. She's not, she's a French naturalist. She was famous in her day for an invention that allowed people to study marine life more easily, the aquarium. Wow. So cool. that's way back like 1794. Yeah. So these are ago. older, like Margaret Knight, 1838 to 1914. If you've ever used a paper bag, you can thank her. The, the flat bottom paper yeah, bag. That's the flat bottom cool. paper bag. Well, she knew how to stretch like to economize like so mm -hmm. there was less waste she figured out how to do it. that's pretty cool um this woman maria beasley successfully marketed at least 15 inventions from eight she was born in 1847 and they're not sure of the year of her death okay. um including a foot warmer an anti-derailment device for trains a barrel making machine yeah, so wow. she invented something that would save the life, and then oh, she's the she's life, the before, she's the life the raft life. lady. Yeah. I talked about her, the windshield wiper lady. I don't think I talked about Sarah Breedlove and Madam C.J. Walker, 1867 to 1919. That's the same person, right? Yeah. Yeah, she, oh, she, she, she gave herself a new identity. Yeah, because she was the first child of her family born after the Emancipation Proclamation. Wow. And she would go on to become the first female self-made millionaire in the United States. Married and widowed by the age of 20, she was working as a laundress when she realized that she and many other black women struggled with hair loss and scalp diseases due to the lack of indoor plumbing and harsh ingredients in hair products. Yeah, well, they probably would have been washing with lye. Yeah, soap. yeah. Oof. So anyway, her line uh, was ready for sale and she set up a college to train hair culturalists, culturists, sorry, hmm. and that created a new employment opportunity for all kinds of African American women. Yeah, so she's pretty famous. That's amazing. Um, Melita Benz, if you like your coffee, you can thank German entrepreneur Melita. 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 
Yeah. For making it easier to brew. Benst was a housewife when she became frustrated with the difficulty of making coffee. Percolate, percolators often overbrewed. The espresso style machines of her day left grounds in the drink and linen bag filters were extremely difficult to clean. So she invented so, what, the paper yeah, filter? Yeah. Wow. I don't yeah. like Melita coffee though. No. But I, the Melita filters, you still see them. Yeah. Beulah Louise Henry, 1887, oh, 1973. I had an Aunt Beulah. Mm. Um, a full list of hers would be an, a lengthy one. She's known for 110 inventions and 49 patents. Wow. Yeah. Henry submitted her first pa patent for a vacuum ice cream freezer That's when amazing. she was a college still student. Use something like those. Yeah, things. when she was a college student. Wow. Yeah, so, yeah, she had. And she, her line was, I invent because I cannot help it. That's awesome. Ruth Graves Wakefield, 1903 to 1977. Every single thing we use in a day had an inventor somewhere along the line, even the chocolate chip cookie. And she's the inventor of the chocolate chip cookie. That's cool. So the Toll House chocolate cookie, the Toll House chocolate crunch cookie. That was her first hers. original one. Yeah. Interesting. And Wakefield got a sweet, minimally profitable payout. $1 plus a lifetime supply of chocolate. Mm, not pretty bad, eh? That's pretty bad. This, we talked about um, her, yeah. Grace Hopper. Virginia Apgar is the American doctor that created the Apgar test for babies mm -hmm. and saved many, many babies' lives. Nobody, and her line was, nobody but nobody is going to stop breathing on me. <laughs> <laughs> So That's that was amazing. her. We talked about Hedy Lamar. Marion Donovan, 1917 to 1998. If you think dealing with a baby's diapers is messy now, imagine what it was like before there were waterproof covers. And that wow. she was the yeah. inventor of that. Mary Sherman. How did she, what did she use to make Sorry. the first ones? Oh, shower curtain. Uh, shower curtain. That makes sense. Uh, she sold her company patents for a million dollars and went on to invent and patent 20 other items. Wow. What do I think will help a lot of people and most certainly will help me? That's what she's, <laughs> her thing Do you think was. there's any inventions left to be made? To yeah, be I made? do. I mean, that aren't computer programmed yeah, I or do. I think so. I think people, I was just reading that book Upstream. Yeah. There's a lot of um, good I like good things about that. That's a Chip Heath book. Is it from both Dan and Chip Heath? Or yeah, just, I, or just I'm not Chip sure. Hmm. Mary Upstream. Sherman Morgan, 1921 to 2004. Uh, the American chemist left university to take a secret position for a munitions factory during World War II, improving explosives and ordnance for use at the front. When the war was over, she applied to work for North American Aviation's Rocket Dyne Division, working on rocket propellants. Wow. Yeah, because so much of her work was classified, few people knew about her contributions until her son, George Morgan, wrote a play and a book about her life. Wow. Yeah. So she did rocket fuel. If I had known, he said, if I had known how much expertise in rocketry my mother had, we could have asked for help and saved ourselves a great deal of trouble. When you, he when struggled he, he when the, he was the, when he was the trying toy rockets. The toy rockets. That's funny though. <laughs> She's eh? probably busy at work. Yeah. 
Mary Van Britten Brown, 1922 to 1929. Um, American nurse, she was a nurse, was concerned about safety when she was home alone at odd hours of the day or night. And the crime rate in her neighborhood in Queens, New York had been increasing. So she realized, so she's the one that created the little opening in the door. So really? that you could see, yeah. Like wow. Like a security, yeah. The little lens in the yeah. lens. And you talked about and then, the Kevlar. Yeah, that was Kevlar. Jean L. Cruz, at a time when there was almost no women scientists at NASA, American engineer Jean L. Cruz made a critical contribution designing a space bumper that could protect satellites and mancraft from space debris and meteorites. So, wow. Patricia Bath was born in 1942. Since she entered the field of ophthalmology, Patricia Bath has been breaking new ground. She was the first black person to serve as an ophthalmology resident at New York University and the first woman on staff at the Jules Stein Eye Institute. But most importantly for this discussion, she was the first African-American female doctor to receive a patent for medical purposes. Wow. And the patent was for a laser facal probe, a medical device she invented in 1981 that quickly and painlessly uses a laser to dissolve cataracts in the eye, then irrigates and cleans the eye to make inserting a replacement lens quick and easy. Wow. The ability to restore sight is the ultimate reward. I think I've seen a documentary about the process. About that process. Mm. Uh, Anna Stork and Andrea Srishta were graduate students at Columbia University School of Architecture when the devastating earthquake hit Haiti in two t 2010. In one of their classes, they were assigned a project to find a way to help with disaster relief. So they spoke to a relief worker and they realized there was an often forgotten need for disaster strike, which was light. And so the pair created an inflatable, waterproof, and solar-powered light, wow. the Luminate Solar Light. Their design can be packed flat, charges in six hours to pr provide light for 16, mm. and is easy to carry. So they used crowdfunding to make their first thousand lights, and after Luminate became a favorite with outdoor enthusiasts and in-home emergency kits, they started a Give Light project. One light is donated for every light purchased. Wow. So they provided lights to Nepal and Syrian refugees. So Who knows where it's going recently yeah. with COVID. Isla Hutchinson, after New Zealand teen Isla Hutchinson saw her mother cut her finger while splitting kindling with a hatchet, Ew. she realized that there had to be a better way to get this critical job done. So as a science fair project, she decided to invent a device that made it easier and safer to cut kindling. Hmm. And the result is the kindling cracker as cast iron device that uses a built-in axe blade in a safety cage. Wow. So that's pretty cool. Young kid. Yep. Um, and that, so, you know, so I kind of went from old to young. That's all the innovators and inventors? I mean, it's probably not, but that was kind of the... No, I know that's not all of and then number seven, women as communicators. Um, women often, and I mean, I'm comparing to men because <laughs> that's what the, they do, right? Women add nonverbal communication to what they say. I think men do too, but it's a different wavelength. Yes. 
women apologize more than men. Except for Canadians. We all yeah. say we're sorry. Sorry, yes. Well, no, but women yeah. give out more compliments. Yes. Women, women tend to be more de- detail-oriented and want to talk through the process of things, usually, yes. more than men. I'm just a different... Yes. I, I, I would fit more that. But. Women prefer to dig deep in conversations and often try to explore the feelings of the person that they're talking with, yes. for sure. Women will listen and negotiate more than men tend to. Women tend to be more collaborative than competitive. Yes. And people and relationship focus is more common with women rather than things and ideas. Right. So... But the flip side of the coin for some of these... As, as a male observer, is the enmeshment factor. Yes. Where you get wrapped up in the feelings right. and everything of somebody else that you, that not you, but that women shouldn't need to be all that wrapped up in each other's... Well, and I, I when I get into women as leaders later on, okay. it, it, it has, you know, I don't want to say that it's been to the detriment, but it's like... Yeah. Like sometimes I think um, you have to step back from the relational aspect of it and set the boundary that's going to keep you from being enmeshed in a situation. Yeah. And but, I, uh, maybe that's why, because men, men don't bother. A lot of yeah. men don't bother. And I mean, I have. Um, but men sometimes be, can be called icy leaders and they have no personality and they're flat and they don't know how to do the relational right. part, which is important. And I mean, for me, I am more, um, most of the fr- people that I would consider my very close friends are authentic and honest and say what, like yes. there's no holding back and we can disagree and talk about things and still, you know, like maintain the and I always know that that person is going to tell me their honest perception of what's yeah. happened. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's the most important thing about communicating. So, mm-hmm. would you say that women also give up more insults than men do? Yes, women are nasty to each other. That's particularly to each other. I to each other. Yeah. Like yes. And not necessarily to I, your face. Sometimes no to your back. Well, I mean, yeah. Like, and then number six, I said women as change makers. So I'm thinking of people like um, Jane Austen, mm-hmm. literature, Florence Nightingale, medicine, Emmeline Pankhurst, which was the suffragettes, mm-hmm. Marie again, Marie Curie, Coco Chanel, In fashion, yep. Catherine Hepburn. She was a activist, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like not there was way act, more just to her right? mother, yeah. Teresa, Margaret Thatcher, mm-hmm. who was accused of all kinds, of, right? Because she yeah, was strong. She was strong and in a culture that's mostly chauvinistic. So Right. Yeah. You know, Queen Elizabeth II. I yeah. mean, like, look at her. She's had to change. Look at all the, even the prime, prime ministers, ministers she's had, to, she's you had know. What, 11, 12 now? Like, she needs to be a highly respected yeah. person i mean you can agree or disagree with some of her choices or whatever but hillary clinton mm-hmm. oprah jk rowling jessica ennis hill is an olympian yep. again malala and then i looked at um like canadian particularly women. canadian women only canadian and jean mm-hmm. mance was the founder of the hotel du hospital like the, is yeah, that like a chain? like an original, the original okay. hotel. Because a lot of them. Nellie McClung, obviously, 
Lada Hichimono, which was did some kind of unitarian service committee, mm-hmm. created this thing. Roberta Bondar. Astronaut. Margaret Atwood. Buffy St. Marie was a oh, yeah. huge activist. Mm-hmm. Nancy Green is an Olympic skier. Louise Arbor was the first Supreme Court. And, justice. and Ellen Page is an LGBTQ rights activist. activist. So, okay. but do you know that, like, I mean, a few of those people you know, but. Well, contemporaries that are still alive, obviously, I know those right. names. Um, McClung, because, well, in the auto, in the. Uh, History of civilization in in Quebec. But if I ask Ottawa. you to make a list of men, it would be a lot longer of men that you would know. Oh, Canadian yes. contributors, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that's what I, and then um, I looked up a whole bunch of things about women as volunteers, which was my number five, mm-hmm. and um, there's. So many women and girls empowerment programs like across around the world. Like there's a girls education program in Ghana and women empowerment programs in Morocco. Are they, is Morocco. that a particular organization? Yeah. Women India, empowerment program? Okay. Sri Lanka, Nepal and Cork, Ireland, if you can believe wow. it. Because there's so much like women need. For whatever reason, for whatever the reason culture in there. that area yeah. of Ireland is they're really yeah. subjugated. Hmm. Anyway, and so I, I mean, I think it is true that women volunteer. I mean, there are. Um, it's interesting when you think of like when I was growing up, I played the piano, if you can believe it, for the Lions Club dinners every Wednesday night. That was a men's group, right? It was a men's group, but the lionesses put the meal on for the men. (laughs) So their wives were lionesses. Yes. But the credit and all the stuff went to the men when in actuality, the (laughs) the women did a lot of the The work, not just the cooking. I bet you they did a lot of some of the phone calling and yeah. So, I mean, I think women women are are the unsung heroes so often. So, and then um, number four for me was women as mentors. So I've had great mentors, like I think of Tilly and Ardith and Helen and Heather and Margaret. Um, like people in my life that yeah. have been really good mentors to me, my friend Rita, like you know, and younger people like Jade, and who bring a whole different mm-hmm. perspective, you know, to my life. Um, and I'm fortunate in having, like, you know, a good number of strong women in in my life. I mean, some I don't have much contact with anymore, but. Um, when I think of Brene Brown, she talks about having like that person who is like your uh, my, your person, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, besides you, but that no, I know, you know, yep. and and she says there's probably one or two for each woman that like yeah. in your life. Mm-hmm. Like, if you have twenty, like you're, you're probably of... not. The depth isn't necessarily no. there. So mm-hmm. I think it's interesting. And so, you know, what did I look for in a mentor? You know, a good listener and a sounding board and someone who is flexible. And, you know, we were 
um, doing a, a thing this morning on uh, perspectives yes. in our course. And so you want people in your life that bring that diversity of perspective. And I forget what the line was today about not a bad perspective and a good perspective, but a... Oh, uh... I couldn't remember. A helpful and a less helpful. And a less helpful perspective. <laughs> so if you want somebody who's knowledgeable and non-judgmental and able to give you f constructive feedback. Wouldn't it be nice if men and women could kind of do this for each other and it be platonic, like without there being, yeah. without there being a relationship except for professional mentor, but... Like yeah. even, even the course, even the professor, even the guy that teaches the course that we do only works with male clients because of the yeah. problems that surface when you don't. Like you want people, somebody to be honest and candid and able to network and help you find resources. You mm -hmm. want them to be, you know, successful in over, you know, in their career in that they can overcome issues and, you know, grow and. And they've got to have the time, right? Yeah. And be and you want somebody who is actually a learner themselves, mm -hmm. like somebody who's willing to invest in education and growth, right? They're self-learning, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, those were just things that uh, you want somebody who has a positive outlook, right, and confidence. And knowledge of that particular industry, if, if it's working, a work it's mentor a work kind mentor, of a thing. Yeah, for sure. And resilience and adaptability. You don't want a mentor that falls apart. But, I mean, you can't put people up on a pedestal that they never... They have to be human as well. Like yeah, and mo anyone that I ever dealt with was quite willing to share their ups and downs. Yeah. Like, And then number three for me was um, women as leaders. Mm-hmm. And women as leaders often value work-life balance um, maybe or have to value work-life balance. Sometimes forced to. Yeah. Or, and, well, I mean, it catches up on all of us when we don't, but... So, I mean, yeah, they are empathetic, more like they value relationships mm -hmm. a little bit more as know, leaders they do make great listeners you know more as listeners nurturers mm -hmm. they often want more of the teamwork although i think this that all that perspective about it has changed because there's such a focus on the story and the relationship mm -hmm. especially when if you're trying to sell something yeah it's not a really about product anymore. It's about selling the story. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, even when you look at what you guys do at Niagara College, my NC story. Yes, absolutely. That's how you're attracting people to mm -hmm. to it, right? Women are good at mul multitasking. Out of practice and being forced to. Yeah, and creative problem solving, right? Yeah. They don't, A lot of women just don't take no for an answer. <laughs> Right. Right. Um, handling crisis well. They wearing many hats. You know, this is a big thing, and I found this as a principle. Right, women check their ego. Like it's not usually. It's less about ego with women than mm -hmm. men. Sadly, there's a sometimes there's a few leaders 
out of the lack of self-confidence or they've been beaten down so much they have that fake yeah uh status ego thing that makes them really i mean i uh, think there's a ton of and i think there's a ton of good literature now on just being like instead of doing better Mm -hmm. doing better about being better and just being a more open and I think that, that that is available. Like when I think of the kind of stuff that Seth Godin talks about right. and and this guy that we're taking the course from, mm-hmm. this Kane Ramsey guy. Like there are certainly has been a, there is a revolution among men yes. to have better emotional intelligence and be more flexible and lead by example. And I mean, I... I remember talking to, and there's another mentor, my like uh, my friend Sue Thibodeau, right? Mm-hmm. And you know she would come to work and plant a smile on her face when we I was her vice principal, and yet all kinds of stuff could be going on, mm-hmm. and because she was managing, you know, a lot of stuff outside yeah. of there was stuff going on, but we just come. You know, we don't feel like we have permission to let it all hang out. No. So, and a lot of women have defied the odds, right? Like, Mm -hmm. so, um, and then... And it's too bad that there has to be something to defy and that there has to be the glass ceiling and that... Yeah. That we're... Well, then... We haven't evolved or progressed or changed enough. To elect... Somebody like Hillary Clinton as, and and even in Canada, yeah, we have a hard time with women, like well, women when you think of and... the politicians like Christine Elliott. Sorry, mm-hmm. some people don't like her, but I think she's a strong woman. And Chris Christian Freeland, yeah. like they are as strong or stronger than either of the men that are are governing right now. But they're women, yeah. so they. Don't, they don't seem to get the opportunity. And the thing is, it, the way our election system works is, um, like, even the general populace, uh, like, electorate, didn't elect them in. Or if there was, like, 500 members of one of the parties, the party didn't elect them as their leader. Yeah. So... And, I mean, I think also, as well, it's been harder for women to make that choice... To be a leader because it's it's hard to push in to push in and sometimes you're just like never mind like I'll well just... and then when the the media I'm sorry which is probably half women now ask about shoes I know and well that's clothing. like that's Hillary... superficial I remember watching that documentary oh, on yeah. Hillary Clinton right and she would go to get on stage and it would all be about what she's wearing and her shoes and her makeup and her whatever and. It is dis- well. You can see me tonight. I certainly didn't dress up for the occasion because I think it's inappropriate to do that. Men don't do that. They no. put on the dark suit and go out on the stage if if it's a formal occasion. Yeah. And a lot of people don't even do that now. No. And but nobody really comments on what shoes they're wearing no. or who their designer no. is or it's ridiculous. Like that. That's all status stuff. And you know to. To even suggest to a woman that they are not, they don't look appropriate, like I, I can't imagine. 
I can't imagine. But that, but I don't really know if it's men making the commentary about them. No, women and women are terrible to each other. I think like the fem, the women in the media mm-hmm. are focusing on all that trivia. Yeah. Well, and and, it doesn't and look help. at look at women who are um, news anchors. Yeah. And then yeah, they'll, all, they'll, they'll be sitting there beside some gray old, wrinkled old man. Yeah. But he's fine. Right. But she has to look all yeah. dolled up. And then the other one I did was women as laborers. In most countries, men tend to participate in labor markets more frequently than women. But all over the world, like labor force participation among women of working age has increased substantially in the and last the, century. But the pay is a lot. The pay lower. is lower. And they're still juggling all this. And, like, at least now they have a year-long maternity leave. In Canada. In Canada. Yeah. Well, we've had it for... A long time. At like, least seven years. Yeah, right? but not, like, not for me. No, you didn't. No. No. And... Um, and well, and you can have parental leave now, so the men can stay home half the time or all of the time if you want. Yeah, women all over the world though allocate a substantial amount of time to activities that are not typically recorded as economic activities. So, female participation in labor markets tend to increase when the time cost of unpaid care work is reduced. So and or shared equally with men. Yeah, well, and I know like on your blog you do the crafts and the art the the uh, creative um, outlets as well and this is a huge issue in the crafts that have been designated as women's crafts yeah because then they're not valued and nobody wants to pay for it if if i were to use a lathe and make the handle for a crochet hook that handle would cost fifty dollars right but if a woman, and it might take the man, sorry, to use a stereotype, it might take the carpenter, you know, 30 minutes to make a, to turn a handle and $50, bang. It might take a woman 20 minutes to crochet a blanket, uh, 20 hours to crochet a sweater, and she can't get... Well, and I learned this it. when I had that little craft booth, right? Yeah. Well, like... All these things that were worth, and I, I wasn't even charging that much for mm-hmm. them, and people didn't want to pay for it. No, because but it, it's women's work, so yeah. it's that whole uh, thing that you wrote about there. You know, when the time, but and the other thing is, um, when you're like, unless you are sharing equally with them with your partner. When, and I talk about women as partners next. Unless you're sharing equally with your partner, if you have a full-time, very, very, very busy job, you have to hire somebody to help. Yeah. Like, it's not possible. Like No, you know. and that's why daycare is a thing, because yeah. then women hire the yeah. daycares to help them with the child rearing. But the, the house cleaning or whatever, yeah. So, and then um, women as partners, um, success and likability, like we, if you want to support women as partners in... Like in a relationship? In a relationship or in a, in a 
work environment okay. or whatever, you mm-hmm. have to challenge what they call the likability penalty. So success and likability are positively correlated for men and ne- negatively correlated for women. When so a man like- is successful, his peers like him more. When a woman is successful, both men and women I often like them, like them less. Yeah. So the trade-off between success and likability is a double blind for women. If mm-hmm. a woman is competent, she doesn't seem nice enough. But if a woman sees really nice, she is considered less confident. confident. So this can have a big impact on a woman's career. Ask yourself, who are you more likely to support and promote? The man with high marks across the board or the woman who has equally high marks but is just not as well liked? Wow. Good question. So that this bias often surfaces in the way women are described, both in passing and in performance reviews. And in job interviews. Yeah. When a woman asserts herself, for example, by speaking in a direct style or promoting her ideas, I know this because this happened to me all the time. She's mm. called em- aggressive. When a man does the same thing, he's confident and strong. Yeah. So when you hear a woman here's a second one when you hear a woman called bossy or shrill request a specific example of what the woman did and then ask would you have the same reaction if a man did the same thing in many cases the answer will be no you can fall into these false bias traps so think carefully about your own response to female co-workers women are more likely to receive feedback that they are intimidating, too aggressive, or bossy. When, especially when they negotiate. When they negotiate. So evaluate women's performance uh, fairly. M- male performance is often overestimated compared to female performance, starting with mothers' overestimated boys' crawling abilities and underestimating girls. Wow. Interesting, eh? But that's where it does start. Also, that whole part about saying you're sorry more frequently, that's trained. Like when linguists study the difference of gender language and expression. Well, and, and it's... Girls even, are trained to be more whatever. Yeah. And boys are excused from it. And over time, even small deviations in performance evaluation have a significant impact on women's careers. Yeah. And therefore, their earning potential, right? Yeah. This difference in the perceived performance of men and women also helps explain why women are hired and promoted based on what they have already accomplished, while men are hired and promoted based on their potential. Wow. Um, So you have to make sure everyone on your team is aware of gender bias and evaluating performance. And gender-blind... Studies consistently show that removing gender from decisions improves women's chances of success. One study found that replacing a woman's name with a man's name on a resume improved the odds of her getting hired by 61%. There have been women that are named Terry or Chris by their parents deliberately so that they can get hired when they are adults. Yeah. Like, that's pretty amazing that they would choose. Yeah. Gender neutral names. And then to women getting credit, right? And I, I think this happens within the home too sometimes. Women and men ascribe their success to different things. Men typically attribute their success to innate qualities and skills, while women often attribute successes to external factors such as working hard and getting lucky 
and getting help from others. That's very true. And women and men also differ when it comes to explaining their failures. When a man fails, he attributes it to a situational factor like didn't practice enough or not interested. When a woman fails, she's going to attribute it to her own lack of ability. And then when women are more likely undervalued, when women and men work together on tasks, women are given less credit for successful outcomes and blamed more for the failure. And because women receive less credit and give themselves less credit, then the confidence is eroded and promotions don't happen. And so, you know, looking for opportunities to acknowledge women and their contributions, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, looking for opportunities to acknowledge the contribution of women who are home trying to raise their children, too. Yeah. Like, that's a whole... Um, men will apply for jobs when they meet 60% of the hiring criteria, while women wait until they meet 100%. Wow. Um, get the most out of meetings. Compared to women... Men talk more and make more suggestions in meetings, 100%. While women are interrupted more, give less credit for the, given less credit for their ideas and have less overall influence. Hmm. Now, we all know women that don't shut up in meetings. Yes. <laughs> but it starts in school, right? Yes, but maybe that is an overcompensation for having been shut down too much. Yeah, I think that that's part of it. Right? And then here we go again. But the gender bias, you know, so they are talking more in meetings. So then we label that as a negative. Thing. Yeah. But if you think of people like I have also had men who are even more annoying in meetings. Yes. Because all they're doing is spouting. Spouting. Like yeah. spouting. Mm-hmm. Um, in an eight member team, three members will make 67% of the comments. In a five member team... Two members will make 70% of the comments. Wow. That's interesting, eh? So Well, I see that at work. Absolutely. If, so if you are the chair of the meeting, then you mm. have to be looking for ways to draw everyone into the conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then this one is the share the sharing of office housework. So women take on more office housework service and support work, such as taking notes, organizing events, and training new hires. These tasks yield valuable time away from core responsibilities. And, you know, the person taking diligent notes in the meeting almost never makes the killer point. Right, because they're too busy keeping track of You know, people expect help from women, but not from men. So when women do favors at work, they earn no points for doing so. But when they say no, then they're penalized. And men, on the other hand, get all these points for saying yes and face minimal consequences for saying no. And if, you know, pay attention to who volunteers for different types of work and distribute it, like just say no, all the, the women don't have to do all this. Mm-hmm. Like, how many times is it women who are organizing the gift for somebody? Why? Why can't men organize the gift for somebody? Absolutely. And, you know, and while they're organizing that gift, they're not doing their, you know... Yeah, it's taking their focus away from what it is. Yes. And they're not appreciated for it. No, it's an expectation. Yes. 
And don't fall into the trap of expecting women to take on stereotypical roles like team mom or note taker. In a performance evaluation study, men who stayed late to help prepare for a meeting were rated 14% more favorably than women who did the exact same thing. When both men and women failed to help, the women were penalized with a 12% lower rating than men. Wow. And many stu- and this is uh, this one is called make work work for parents. Many studies show that pushback or maternal wall women experience when they have kids is the strongest gender bias. So motherhood triggers assumptions that a woman is less competent and less committed to her career. Mm -hmm. So that means you have to be twice as committed and twice as competent Mm -hmm. because you're pushing through that. Always. And I mean, I I remember that like with Sue Thibodeau because she said, you know, she would hear women complaining about their kids or how busy they were and everything. And she said, I would never do that as as a leader. She didn't want to come across. Come across as right wow and even though she had the same burdens and concerns of course and it would have been good if men and women could say yeah no i have to get home i have to support my kids but no it's like oh well but what about the men who have to get home support their kids and then the women colleagues attack those men's wives yeah why isn't she why is she such a bitch because she's he's henpecked they got she's got him like mm. that happens. Oh yeah. I'm sorry. It happened to me. Well, and it's judgmental, right? To be like that. This also impacts women who aren't mothers and men too. Women often face pushback as soon as they're engaged to be married, and fathers who leave work earlier, take time off for family, pay a higher price than mothers. Yeah. Study shows that fathers receive lower performance ratings and experience steeper reductions in future earnings after taking time away from work for family reasons and you certainly did 12 years of part-time yeah (laughs) women also often leave before they leave compromising their careers in anticipation of family responsibilities they don't even have yet they turn down projects. They don't apply for promotion. Or they're trying to get right. pregnant. Or so they, they choose more flexible paths to accommodate their families that they plan to have someday. Yeah. Closing doors to opportunities. So don't assume mothers won't be wor- be willing to take on challenging assignments or travel. or travel. And avoid saying, I don't know how you do it, which can single- signal that you think mothers should be at home. Mm-hmm. If you're a parent, be vocal about the time you spend away from work with your children. This gives other parents in your organization permission to do the same. Mm -hmm. If it's available to you, take paternity leave. And if it's not, push your company for better policies. As more men and women bring their whole selves to work, the bias linked to motherhood and fatherhood then begins to break down. I'm really curious with all all of us working at home now and how what the impact is going to be now with men that are working from home but have to leave the camera have to go deal with something yeah and come back. well and rita and i were talking my friend and like i got hopefully some of this my changes. friend and i were talking you know about that and you know how you know people are struggling and i said well as a parent if my kid is online with you as the teacher mm-hmm. and your kid comes in and asks a question or interrupts or something i would think that was totally natural mm-hmm like that just makes sense. I wouldn't consider that you were a bad teacher or that anything like no. that. I would just consider that this is a natural part of whatever. Mm-hmm. So 
you know, I think it's just that whole idea of living your life authentically and letting people like look and and this goes back to what we were we were talking about this morning this idea of seeing life from a whole bunch of different perspectives yeah you know i have to look at life from someone else like other perspectives and maybe mine is just distorted and and i think there were times and then maybe it's time for men to look at it from a woman's perspective right and i also think that sometimes women and i'm guilty of this well I want it done a certain way, so I just do it. Yes. Right? And so yeah. that now I'm enabling everybody around me to mm-hmm. do nothing. And there's research on that. It's called mother, it's called gatekeeping. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a whole bunch of things. But in the end, I feel that the, the you know, the points that I've brought up here, like the 10 things, um, are really important parts of, you know, who we are and the contributions of women to society. And I think it's just really important that we talk and, about and them and recognize as them. A, Absolutely. As a I just think that there's a lot, well, I don't know, I want to say a lot, but there's just room for more. And I think that it's a simple, it's, it's as simple as, you know, when you talk about Black Lives Matter and women's rights and lgbtq whatever the other letters are rights Mm -hmm. it's a simple it's as simple and complicated as perspective taking because if i really truly want to see life from your perspective i can see it i can choose to see it yeah absolutely so anyway so number 10 women as caretakers number nine women as educators Number eight, women as innovators, which we went through a whole bunch of different um, women inventors and contributors to uh, society. So that was quite, I'm just flipping through here. There were a lot (laughs) of women and I don't know. I just thought it was, I found it very interesting and I found it very interesting to think of the women that I didn't even know who they were. Mm -hmm. That was the most kind of and then number seven women as communicators and sort of the different styles between men and women women as change makers um, women as volunteers women as mentors number three was women as leaders number two was women as laborers in the mm-hmm. labor market and number one is women as partners. So it's good. Yeah. So hopefully you found it interesting. And anyway, what's coming up next? Next, week? next is the top ten questions to ask to discover who someone really is, like for, for real. real. Ooh. So. That's. So maybe I'll ask you the questions. <laughs> to make you answer. Them. I anyway. don't know if I want to answer them on. Anyway. On tape. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for No Room for Phonies, the top 10 contributions of women to society.